0: That's easy then to say that uh you know by the eye test, player X is the greatest at Y. And I Yeah, I'm just like And I'm an eye test guy so I don't have to prove it.
1: Yeah, I just uh Oh, speaking of speaking of eye test, did you see before we get going here, one last thing. Um uh, did you see Ant's logo?
0: Oh my God, it's so it's good. so good. Yes. It, so it good. Yeah, it's Whoever really, did. really good. I love it. Whoever did that
1: did a fantastic job of not only making a great ant logo, but not infringing on Ant-Man.
0: <laughs> well, and so it took me immediately to the best MacGyver episode, which is Trombo's World, which MacGyver goes down to like South Afri- South America. And this friend of his like has a farm where it's being taken over by fire ants. And it's like, yeah, no, I am 100 percent with you. That is a killer logo. I love it. And I'm probably going to go buy one.
1: I, I literally just ordered mine. <laughs> I'm hoping it gets here by Thursday.
0: On Thursday, because. Show. Oh, so you can wear it right yeah. on. Yeah, that would be awesome.
1: Really hoping it gets here fast enough because I'm like.
0: Oh, that's right. Because he's supposed to be on it.
1: Yeah. This so, week. yes.
0: Oh, he would probably be thrilled to walk in there and have see that. How fun would that be? I'm going to have
1: Joe bring his Anthony jersey, which is oh. now a relic because Ant changed numbers. Right. So, um,. Should be should be interesting um, to see how it all goes. Uh,
0: OK, you ready?
1: Always uh, oh, born ready. What, what?
0: Hey, <laughs> hey. No, <laughs> don't know. Let's go with that. Go with that. I don't know. I might actually take it all the way back to the <laughs> Anthony Davis logo talk because that was pretty good stuff. It's not Anthony Simons. You just said what Anthony, Anthony Davis. Davis. Okay, cancel that. There's no way. Hey, you what's up, any... Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge <laughs> podcast. I am oh. terrible at Figgs. I've already oh. messed up the introduction. Oh. I've confused our own wonderful player with somebody from one of those teams down south. How you know embarrassing. What? I'm Anthony humiliated. Davis. Anthony Davis would be a baller. Let's Anthony Davis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're all Amphreny from here on out. I don't know. There's just a lot to juggle going on right now. I'm watching it's, a Timbers game while we're talking. There's just a lot going on.
1: Actually, yeah, no. there's
0: very little going on. It is now officially <laughs> the deads of the dead uh part of the summer. So welcome to everybody. We're gonna we're gonna forge ahead and put together some uh, content for everyone. Um Little bit of news that we've had so far uh, this week. This is where we are, is that CJ will no longer plan to participate in the World Cup uh, uh, training camp. So what are you thinking about this, Dan?
1: Uh, Not really surprising. Um, When I look at it... um... A lot of the big name guys have left. Dame is obviously the biggest star left on the, the roster right now. And I, I mentioned it quickly on Twitter a couple days ago, but this looks like it's going to be Dame's team to captain. And I think if CJ's looking at it, he's like, well, do I want to really do this? Do I, do I want, or do I want to recover? What's the likelihood of him making the team? Cause when I look at that roster, I don't know you terrible. I see kind of the next generation of guys. Mm-hmm. And that's where it kind of looks like they're, they're maybe shifting their focus to. Cause I mean, Braun, if he wants to, could probably be on the Olympic team. But other than that, the rest of the old guys are are done. Mello's done. Wade's done. You know, so I, I think that you're, you're trying to look at, at the new guards. So You're looking at the Beals, the Mitchells, the Bookers, you know, those kind of guys.
0: Well, and to clarify, this training camp is for the FIBA World Cup, which takes Correct. place in China. Next year will be the Team USA 1, correct? And those two are That's not in Japan, yeah. like the same, they're not going to be necessarily the same team. But do no. they all go through Team USA or are yes. they compl- okay
1: Yeah. They're all run through the same hub. Um, and then like the, the different national teams, um, there's the national team and there's the select team. And in the past, I think it was CJ that was on the select team that was brought up. Dame was brought up to try out for the national team. And then that was the kind of, uh, messy divorce when it was, I think it was Derek Rose. They picked over him. Mm -hmm. Um, that was, uh, he I think was the last one cut, wasn't he? Yeah, and everybody's like, "You, you took Rose." <laughs> like, uh, Okay, uh, and it, I think it maybe took Dame a little while to get back over that, which I think rightfully so. But and that's what's kind of cool about everything kind of coming together right now is that realistically, again, this should be if Dame wants it, his team, mm-hmm. and and he can put his stamp. And I think if we're talking about lifting up the profile guy, and you're talking about like the the greatest trailblazer of all time. This kind of stuff helps, and if he and if he does do it and he does deliver and he he hoops out and just goes nuts here, um, his chances of making the you know the 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 real global team uh, for Team USA probably go up substantially.
0: So that he would be able to go play with the Olympic team.
1: Yes, and I mean you he, he could be looking outside of Steph, could be looking at the at the lead guard spot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean I, I think the pecking order right now has been established that Steph Curry is the best point guard in the world. Dame's probably second.
0: My thought is that anybody coming in to play with Damian Lillard and understanding what it's like to be on one of his teams, that's all a good thing. Because uh, they'll, you know, get an idea of what it means to be, you know, when Damian Lillard is the leader on your team. And like you were talking about, it's kind of a switch over from the old guard to the new guard. Like maybe that wouldn't have been possible with some of the other iterations of the team. Uh, Just, you know, because of like seniority and guys who've been there a long time. Mm-hmm. but. Are you at all I mean, I don't want to say concerned because it's totally these guys know themselves better than anybody else does so I would never in a million years like second guess you know how much he is doing you know during this off season uh but you know looking at how tough things may be <laughs> in the next off next season. You know, does it does that worry you that you know extra wear and tear you know could come in to be a thing, or do you think that he's got a plan or you know is prepared for you know what extra playing during the off season means? Honestly, when I look at
1: Dame now, I think over the last couple of years he's kind of matured in the sense of the offseason stuff and 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 this isn't like a, a knock on him. I think it's something a lot of players go through is knowing and and like trusting what, what your body needs. A lot of the young guys, they just go nonstop. Mm-hmm. You know, they they don't turn off. Like you you have to turn off you you absolutely have to and in, you saw that this year with the warriors what four straight years of going to the finals and going deep every single year and 100 plus games and and you get injuries you build this stuff up especially as you get later in your career and dame said like he's he, when he the season's over he's taking a month off now Mm-hmm. like the, and that's what they, when you start hitting 27 28 29 30 a lot of these elite players they they realize and they know that hey I, I've got to manage my body I need real rest mm-hmm. so when it comes to it i I'm to the point where I, I trust Dame he knows what he needs to do he works out on the road on you know during the season with the way he needs to um mm-hmm. and the blazers I mean this is it's almost hilarious but if it wouldn't be so sad, what they've done with their player management and training regimens and and uh, injury management and stuff like that. Like I know it looks weird when you talk about that in the sense of Nurkic, but that's a broken bone. Mm-hmm. Like we we aren't getting hamstrings, we aren't getting ACLs, we aren't getting calves. You know, we aren't getting ankles. We aren't getting those pile up left, right, and center.
0: Okay, like, everybody needs to just stop what they're doing and knock on knock wood it right all. Now. Wood, yeah, <laughs> yeah, everybody, but, everybody but, listening but, to this. Go but knock
1: I'm on giving. Wood. I'm giving Dame and the training staff benefit of the doubt because they have shown that they know what it takes to to kind of build up to it. And th- really, this year was the first time when they got to the Western Conference Finals, where Dame was like, he admitted, like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of tired. Yeah. So uh, I'm to the point where, hey, take your month, get your mind right, go play with some of the best players in the world. I, I think you can learn in those situations um, mm-hmm. when you're when you're in practice with those guys. You you learn what what it takes to get to another level or you pick a guy's brain about how to do this or that. And I, I think those kind of situations are, are rare in the league now. You don't have these camps that these guys all go to. Like, you don't have the, the big man camp anymore. Um, Chris Paul's trying to do that with his point guard camp still. But, I mean, outside of that, like, these guys – also, like their workouts, like the real high level competitive stuff in the off season, or working on uh, particular things with a group of guys, you don't see outside of those those camp situations.
0: Oh my god, I'm so, I'm sorry, I'm still laughing at the thought of going to summer camp with Chris Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine him as your counselor. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> But no, I I I I see All what your you T shirts are
1: brought to you by State Farm. <laughs> yeah,
0: and you do not get up at night after curfew <laughs> for sure. Once the lights are out, you are down. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I guess you know, uh, so much of the so much of the way that they develop now, too, I guess probably after they played a number of years together, is just the cerebral aspect of the game. Is you know thinking about you know watching the film and watching. Um, you know, thinking about the schemes and learning the new plays and doing all that, you know, I I would think about the fact that they're just going to be running straight from USA camp to FIBA right into training camp. And that doesn't seem like much time for a break, but um, they will, I'm sure, all manage it very, very well. If they don't and we pissed. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, another thing that has bubbled up, and we've talked about it a little bit because it's kind of been percolating for a while. Uh, Jason Quick had a uh, Q&A session on The Athletic where he basically said that the Blazers are – you know, confirmed the Blazers are looking for a backup center. We had wondered if it was – I had wondered if it would be a center or a point guard. Of course it's <laughs> not a point guard. It's never a point guard. I don't know why I always think it will be a point guard. They're planning on uh, bringing in a backup center. A few names have been floated. Joe Kim Noah, I know that you are pretty um, uh, interested in him. Greg Monroe is a name that is uh, interested to Mm -hmm. me. And then lately, like yesterday, somebody threw Dwight Howard's name into the mix. And I was like, whoa, uh but of course as the Blazers often do they often go back to guys that they've expressed interest in and both Greg Monroe and Dwight Howard are big men that they have shown interest in in the past. So you know who they thoughts? haven't I was saying, you know who
1: they haven't shown interest in in the past? Kenneth Farid. Hey Remember Nolan Smith, Kenneth Farid. I Reed. thought they did. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. I
0: <laughs> oh, I get but it because they, well, yeah, they, they didn't
1: show. Well, they did, but then yeah. they didn't. And it was yeah. too late. Yeah, so it was, yeah, it was kind of an oops. Um,
0: mm-hmm. I'm still, I'm
1: still team Noah. I, I still think that's the way to go. So I'm why, not,
0: why do you like that fit the
1: best? He he knows the defense. Uh, it's the same style of defense. I mean, it was originated with Tibbs, so a little kind of in Boston, but really in Chicago when it kind of really came together. Um, and obviously Noah was kind of the linchpin of that defense. Um, culturally, he fit right in. Noah's a weird cat. I mean, he's he, he, he would buy Portland in a heartbeat Um, very much in the same way. I think the Robin Lopez is just kind of just a little bit of a different dude. And, and he, he'd get the vibe real quick. Basketball wise, uh, he's a bit more of a playmaker. Mm-hmm. He's not going to require the ball. He could operate in the high post, run a lot of horn sets. Um, He likes to, to kind of be a jerk. Like, I, I think Portland are going to get into to, without Nurk out there. I think they can afford to have him out there. He's not a guy who's going to cause problems in the locker room. Uh, and he's a true five. Like there's a no, there's no doubt about it. Um, Monroe. I don't know. I just, I've never really bought into Greg Monroe. I just, I, I get it, but he just never seems like the idea of Greg Monroe and like what actually is out, like what the performance is never really seems to come together for me. Uh, for so this,
0: here's, here's my thoughts on this whole thing for this particular situation. They've just signed Whiteside, and the thought there is that Whiteside is there at least up until the trade deadline in order to fill in for Nurkic to be the main, you know, number mm-hmm. five, right? So how do you think he would feel if he brings in one of these guys that – do you think, like, he, they would potentially threaten his minutes? Because, I mean, what, from what yeah, we've heard white no Whiteside – it's like he needs to really be happy, and comfortable to be his best. Mm-hmm. And I just worry that bringing in like a, you know, a big name guy with years and years of experience and, you know, a following or a name in the league might he might not appreciate that. I don't know. What do you think?
1: see with, with a guy like Noah, who's 33, 34 years old, I don't, I don't think he's sweating that. Especially if he comes in on a vet minimum one year deal, uh, because really, again, like I've used this term a lot lately, but it's the the break glass in case of emergency. Big, like he played sixteen minutes a game uh, with with the Grizzlies last year. But here's the thing: in sixteen minutes, Tara, he was seven and six.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like that's effective.
0: Well, and you also talked about him being a bit of a facilitator. And like, yeah, no, that, that was the great. thing that jumped out when, when I looked at his stuff. His And also, Greg Monroe is not bad at it. Like, he's he hasn't always been great, but he just strikes me as the kind of guy who would have the potential in this particular offense to unlock 100%. a little bit of
1: that. Yeah, I mean, when you look at Noah, like, his peak in Chicago, like, 27, 28 years old, was at 2013. Noah averaged over five assists a game, dang, as, as a center, like wow. as as like as a, as a hub for that offense. Like he can he can see he can create. He he's a, honestly he's kind of what I hope Dirkich turns into in that respect as far as playmaking, because Nurk has a lot of the same basic instincts, but Noah grew up with that. You know what I mean? He grew up playing with that and being in that position. And it's kind of natural with who he is. And I think Nurk has a lot of that in him. Um, and with Whiteside, and the big questions are obviously with Whiteside, um, is when you pass him the ball, what happens to it? It doesn't often come back out. Like, it's just, he's a play finisher. And in, in uh, every team needs a guy or two like this. And I always, when we talk about black holes, I always go back to Wes Matthews. Wes, when he was in Portland, was one of the biggest black holes in recent memory right and that's because he was a play finisher it's not a knock on him at all it's that when he's getting the ball in the offense it was typically a play designed for him to be the shooter and so when he got the ball it went up with Whiteside, that can be true on a pick and roll but there are times when on that roll finding that extra pass making that second pass hesitating taking that extra step you know those things that all kind of feed into the motion offense I question that, and I think with Noah, you could buoy some of that. Um, the obviously, the other question here is, is like what you wrote. The question that you rose as far as um, would that bother Whiteside to an extent? Because would you maybe sometimes want to close with Noah because Whiteside is getting a little stingy with the ball? And I, I, these are the the far extremes, but I think that's like the worst case scenario. But I just don't see that happening. Um, especially with with a guy like Noah, who's just trying to kind of fit in. Dwight Howard, on the other hand, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm not buying the Dwight Howard uh, career revival tour version 6.0. I just
0: so don't. yeah, so I mean, the the general narrative there is that Dwight, whose team is he even on anymore? Is he on uh Memphis right now?
1: Uh, I thought he was bought out.
0: I, he hasn't. Whoever he he hasn't been bought out yet, unless it was like today. The last I read, he was still on a roster, but that that could change, or that could have changed uh, recently. But anyway, he has bounced around, and he's somebody who often stands in front of cameras and says, "I understand what I did wrong, and this is what I'm gonna do moving forward in the future." I mean, the guy is a beast. He, you know, can do a lot of things, but he's one of those people who attitude has followed him around Hmm. and bad fits have followed him around. And it just seems to me that the Blazers can't spread themselves too thin in terms of players who need that kind of extra attention. And they've sort of gone all in on white side but honestly the only reason that i brought him up is because like i said he and greg monroe have been on the blazers radar and it's just so rare that the blazers make a signing for some it seems rare maybe it's maybe it's just perception it just seems rare that uh you know if there's somebody that they've looked at before who is available that they wouldn't choose him (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that seems to kind of be the indicator. Like, Rodney Hood was a guy that they kicked around a lot before they got him. Hazonia, obviously, is a guy that they looked at before they got him. Whiteside's a the guy that they looked at before they got him. Um, I wouldn't be yeah, surprised I if I went back and saw that they talked to Bazemore offline. Um,
0: I brave- so, Bazemore's yeah. name has definitely been uh, yeah. in the conversation for the Blazers. Anyway, that's why, that's why I think the most likely candidate of the three, anyway, is Greg Monroe and... I think, um, you know, I think whoever it is, I think an important thing is going to make sure that he's a good balance and a good, like, partner for Whiteside and not a, like, I mean, I know that sounds really dumb because everybody's competitors and they're all competing and competing and competing. But from what we found out, what we've heard about Whiteside is that he's at his best when he is comfortable in his role and he knows what his role is and he knows that it's his And I mean, I went back. So at the end of the last podcast, I said that I'd gone back and I'd watched all of uh, Hassan Whiteside's assists from the previous season. How long did that take you? It didn't take a really very long time. It was (laughs) there were less than 82 of them. Uh, But what I realized is that I should have gone back and watched his assists from the year that he got his contract, because that's really when he was at his best. And why not come into this thinking, I mean, I'm sure what the Blazers did is they saw him at his best and are trying to figure out how they can unlock that again. They're probably not going, okay, well, you know, we're fine if he's just 50% of what he was at that point. I think what they want is, you know, him performing at his peak level so anyway i went back and watched the the assists during that 1617 season which was the first year that he was on that contract that was a nice season for him and the difference in like there wasn't a difference in volume of um of assists very much but just <laughs> the uh the the kinds of assists that he had were so much more uh, they were deliberate they were like part of plays they were um You know, there were some on handoffs. There were a few bounce passes. There were a lot of um, like so many of them were passes out, you know, with his back to the basket and then him kicking it out to somebody on the perimeter. Whereas, you know, the ones from last season, it was kind of more like, oh, I'm stuck. I got to like toss it out to somebody. So, I was much more inclined to be optimistic about the assist that he was getting in that that year, like I said that he got his contract. So if if he can play like that, I think that'll be a you know that'll be a better thing. <sighs> Do you think that ship has sailed?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean he's 30 years old. I just you're, you're kind of who you are at that point in time. And it's I don't just, know.
0: I mean, he. I think it's perfectly possible that he could have a year where he has a renaissance. Because he's 30 years – and we're not talking about asking him to like go sky high dunking. No, no, no. We're no. talking about him to have crisp passes.
1: No, and, and here's, here's the thing for me at least. Um, and this is gonna kind of springboard us into the next, idea, next kind of conversation for me at least is that – I think that we're looking at this stuff where we hope, and that it's normal to hope, for best-case scenario. Uh, and it's not just Whiteside. It's with Whiteside. It's with Hazonia. It's with Bazemore. It's with Hood. It's with Collins. And it's with Simons. And while it's it, it's certainly possible, the likelihood of it occurring is just not that great when you look at, the history, and I know people will immediately go to, well, Yusuf Nurkic had problems in Denver, and look at him now. And listen, I'm more than willing to give Damian Lillard and the culture and Terry Stotts the benefit of the doubt, but that also doesn't mean I'm gonna. I, I think that every single player is gonna become optimized. Uh, do I think Hassan could work better in a pick and roll than he did with Goran Dragic, and maybe facilitate the ball slightly better? Yeah. I think you're going to get a little bit of a bump anytime you're coming from a team that doesn't have Damian Lillard on it to a team that has Damian Lillard on it. But I just, I question when basically his entire career has been, yeah, I don't pass. And it's because I think he is, he identified two things. I can finish at the rim and I would rebound and I can block shots. I should say three things because the block shots then counts. And those all look really good on paper come contract negotiation time. Because that's that's as crazy as it is. that still matters a ton uh, when it comes time for contracts. And the assist stuff, when he was kind of coming to the fore, big men creating didn't really mean much, right? So I, I just I don't think it was ever like front of mind front of focus.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I want to transition then, like you said, to uh, other players and assists. We kind of uh, touched on it with Whiteside. Mm-hmm. But overall, the Blazers lost a lot of assists, like <laughs> <laughs> per game. So yeah. you know, we had our running joke last year that even after they'd have a great game where it felt like they got tons of assists, they were always twenty fourth right yeah. <laughs> assists in the league. I think they ended up Well, they would good. have twenty four on the game. Like, yeah,
1: it was, it was, you're <laughs> like, man, they were really humming the ball around. You look at the box score, and you're like, twenty four assists.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we're like, woo. Um, I mean, and that was an improvement. Uh, from the season before because the season before they were dead last with 19.5. And then last season they were like 25th and they had 23 assists per game.
1: Um, Let's focus real quick. The Blazers had four players that averaged over two assists a game.
0: And um, right. So between Aminu, (laughs) Cantor, ET, Jake, Harkless, Leonard, and Curry, All guys who are gone, that was 10.6 assists per game. Mm -hmm. 10.6 out of 23. So that's like 45% of their assists. That's rough. Um, And, you know, like you were saying, I wouldn't expect any of these. Like we never expect to like slot, take one person out and then put someone back in and like have everything line up exactly in terms of what they're going to do. But the guys coming in, don't bring that. <laughs> is that anywhere really close to that no.
1: amount of assists. And this is where you get the optimism, right? Like with a guy like Hazonia, because he had a triple double and he looked better as a as a uh, a point four kind of a deal. Kind of that point four that the Blazers when Evan Turner was tr- like truly optimized, they put the ball in his hand and let him try to create those um those opportunities from the four. And now could Hazonia fill in that spot? Sure. But likely? Probably not same with 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 Simons. Uh, I know a lot of people are like, well, you can't turn the, the the second unit over to a kid. He doesn't look like he's a playmaker. I'm like, the Blazers are not looking at him necessarily as a playmaker. They're looking at him as, as – when they're looking at him running the second unit, it's about getting buckets and then using that gravity to create off of it. Not to be a Chris Paul point guard and, and, and try to facilitate out of that. And then you're talking about facilitating um, Whiteside as a playmaker – in the offense when he's never done that. I, I just don't find that to be incredibly likely. But if you want to flip to the positive side of this, right? Ennis Cantor had a lot of the same reputation, although maybe not to the extreme that Whiteside side does. Uh, and he tried to, to try to find a, a little bit of room in that, but we're talking about the, the, the fine tuning of the knobs, right? We're not cranking everything up like, Oh yeah, he can replace hundred percent of this and 90% of it. It's just, it's little tweaks here or there. And that's going to be interesting to see how it impacts the offense.
0: Yeah, so you say little tweaks here and there, but that's 45% of the assists. So I think at some point oh, yeah. it's going to no, have to be more than little tweaks. So I guess my question would be like, who do you think is most likely to, I mean, do you think it's going to come down to just more assists for Dame and CJ? Is Dame going to average a triple-double this season? Um. You know, other other players who you think maybe, you know, do have a little bit more tweaks or, you know, bigger than a tweak?
1: If you're looking for the, the guys for the real opportunities, uh, the two we just talked about, it's Simons and it's his own, mm-hmm. um, They're going to be the ones who have the ball in their hands. They're going to have the opportunities to kind of make these things happen. And um, with that, it's it's going to be huge for them, right? Like, And that's why we talked about when I, when my, we first start talking about Simons running that second unit. There's going to be some rough nights because that second unit is not going to be able to kind of – you know, get the offense going. Um, You may see Bazemore step into that role a little bit, but I just don't think the Blazers are going to, I think they're going to invest more in Simons than any of the kids we've seen in a while. Mm -hmm. And I think they're going to live through the mistakes as opposed to like pulling, he'll he'll be on the floor, but instead of like pulling the ball from him and giving it to Bazemore or Herzogna or something like that, I think they're going to live with some mistakes. Mm -hmm. And so those, those numbers may not look good this year.
0: So I went and wa- there's another player on the team last year who had 0.9 assists per game. Uh, and that's Zach Collins. So I also went and I watched all of his assists and his assists from last year compared to white sides, although they averaged about the same amount um, Collins's were much more deliberate. Um, he had, you know, a variety of things. He did the same things over – like he had like several that were like his go-to mainstays. So he and uh, Evan Turner, like – and he had a lot of like lobs over the top. They weren't exact – they weren't really alley-oop lobs, but they were high uh, passes over to somebody who was cutting. He did have a number of, you know, kicking it out. And then he had a lot of like handoff assists. The,
1: the little dump-offs, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean he had he had quite – I mean, again, it was only it was less than one per game, but I see what I'm getting at is I do see potential in him a little bit more. Like I don't know that he's going to be up to Nurkic's, you know, 3.2 a game, but I could see him going from, you know, 0.9 to you know 1.7 or almost two Um, because of like he looked like he was like doing them on purpose, like as part of plays or as part of like a broken play and he would come out of it. I, I just saw some potential in him there.
1: I mean, seeing those potential things are, are, are good things because those opportunities are going to be there like that that's that's the thing is that um for the first time in years since they you know they they lost lamarcus right um they haven't um they haven't had the, the chance to really or the willingness to to kind of go after um something new mm-hmm and I, I think with this new roster and so many new guys, particularly in areas that matter, mm-hmm. as like initiators and playmakers, it wasn't just shooting that hurt Portland in uh, in the series against the Warriors. It was playmaking because once you got the ball out of Dame's hands, with with Evan not playing um they were willing to live with whatever circumstances it was. And what makes Draymond Green so effective isn't the fact that he's this otherworldly player. It's because in the short role and as a secondary facilitator a playmaker, he's God tier. Like that's that's just the reality of it. And I I don't think Portland's hinging its hopes in that same kind of level as as in Hazonia, as much as they are hoping to do it by committee. And hoping one hits. It's kind of like the same approach they seem to take to second round draft picks. Like, we're going to use it every year and hope they just keep hitting so we can get something out of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I I, I think that um, I would love to see the ball in Hazonia's hands just because of what I've heard <laughs> from other people it'll be who've fun. watched him play. I think it'll be it'll fun. Be fun. I, do think some, I do think that there is serious potential for uh, Collins to do a little bit more facilitating in his role as either the backup five or the starting four. I think Simons will uh, have more for this year. I'm not going to hope a lot for Whiteside, but you know what? Like, you know, maybe, maybe he's making doing more of them on purpose rather than just like bail out things. And, you know, that, I think that would be a good thing for the team because the more that they're concentrating um, and not just like, you know, things falling apart and having to bail each other out, you know, the better that that speaks well to them. And then, you know, hopefully they can carry that success on into um into the playoffs because hopefully they're going to make it the playoffs. I don't know. This year is so wild. I have no I'm not even ready to <laughs> not even ready to start making this prediction so far. I, I just at this point want to figure out what the basketball is going to look like, because I feel like it's going to be really different. And I feel like I had finally settled into what I was what we were supposed to watch for with this team. And now it's going to be all different. And and it's exciting. I think.
1: Yeah, no, that, that part of it. And the thing is like, exciting doesn't always mean good. Like it's (laughs) going to be exciting. Who's the hashtag
0: embrace the chaos person here. I I am. And that's, uh, that's you are, I am.
1: No, no, no. Come on now.
0: You're excellent. Stan, don't change in the narrative here and act like you've been for chaos all along. Listen, no, towards oh, no, something,
1: no, no, But give if you are not going to do that, give me something fun. I, have, yeah. you know, I've always said you've
0: that. always you have always espoused that, but you've yes. always preferred excellence over anything else. Oh,
1: absolutely. But I mean, like, if, if the Blazers want to get weird, like instead of bringing in Noah, they brought in Amari. I'd be like, I'm in. <laughs> like, like we, we want to get weird. Okay, let's. I mean, let's get real. Don't don't half ass it. Get real. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, no. I, like, and it, it, I just I, this whole idea of like. Where people are sitting right now, and I, I kind of alluded to it earlier, with everything is going to go well. It's not mm-hmm. like it, it, it never happens with anybody anywhere, even the Warriors. Like, you, one series you get God tier Kevin Looney, and the next series you get Jordan Bell throwing the ball off his own face. Like, it's just <laughs> not everything is always perfect. But I think, like, th- how they work through things this year and like what what things really hit. Like, I think that the two biggest storylines, forget Whiteside, Bazemore, anybody else they added, it's who they're bringing up from the back. It's mm-hmm. Simon Collins. Mm-hmm. Like, as these are the guys that they're just, they're no right, doubt. These guys
0: are the future.
1: Yeah. They're invested in these guys. Yeah. Like, I, I don't care. Like, I just, I, I don't care if you think like Hassan Whiteside is going to be able to fill in for Yusuf Nurkic in this capacity, to, like, like term, It just doesn't matter. It's, I'd much rather see like what do you have in Collins mm-hmm. but you also we, we've kind of shown that you can't give him too much you got to find that that right sweet spot now we have to do the same thing with 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 Simons right because we saw uh, the way Zach started out the season this past year phenomenal just like oh wow if this is what we're getting for Zach Collins well then we had to kind of rein it in I think we're gonna do a lot of the same with Anthony this year yeah but I but I think at the same point they're gonna look at it and go okay well, What's, what's the, what's, where, where are we at in the seating right now? Where are we at in the standings? Like, it, and I, I heard a couple of guys talking about this earlier, the idea that if you look at all the improvements in the Western conference and the Blazers count themselves in, in that same class in those top six teams, at least two of those teams are going to have injuries, right? They're, they're, just there's, there's, there's odds, just odds. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's going to happen.
0: Oh, please don't let that be the Blazers. No,
1: just, just Reality is like okay, when we were coming into the season last year, Tara. The, the Lakers were like, oh, my God, the Lakers, they're title contenders. Where were they Not when the wrong got, got shut down? Mm-hmm. Yes, one of these teams is going ha- to have something happen to it. And then uh, one team picks up some games that you didn't expect here. The one thing I keep getting to, like, as, 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 as much as we're talking about Portland right now, the narrative, both locally and nationally, it's almost like nobody that I already forgot, but nobody's really talking about the fact that they're coming off our of Western Conference Finals. Like, it's mentioned – but it's not it's you know it's not in the lead. And I think because of that, Portland's got a little bit of slack
0: here. Wait, what do you mean they have a little slack? Because people have forgot that they made it to the Western Conference Finals and no one's gonna get mad at them if they don't make it again?
1: Not that they don't make it there, but if they don't make it out of the, or they don't make it uh, out of the first round, and this, the way I looked at it was, it's going to go one of two ways. They're going to, it's going to be the narrative is um, they weren't able to capitalize. This is the same old, same old, blah blah. blah they just got lucky last year, or they're, that's it's, the
0: narrative every year.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> or it's going to go with something a lot wilder and it's going to have to do with the development of one of those two guys. Uh, The other side of this is is that the Blazers could be one of those teams. that doesn't have everything go their way because there is volatility in in what they've done. Right. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. But it's a short term. It's kind of a short term lease on on it. So it's not like they're locked in forever, which is like one of the first times we haven't felt like we're locked in forever.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And so that's like when I talk about this season, like it's it's really different for me because for the first time in a while, it really feels like there's some building to be done. There's some narratives to be written. Like we, we are looking at this and it just looks different. Mm hmm. And I think that that's a cool thing to look at this year,
0: right? Well, you know what is almost as regular um, as you know, I guess, death and taxes. That the is that the Blazers at some point are going to play Golden State Warriors in a playoff series. Um, I guess the uh, the series, you know, the year that they played, um, they they lost to the Pelicans is the exception. But boy, it sure seems like the Blazers have uh, faced Golden State. And for that reason, um, I wanted to talk to somebody from that team to find out a little bit more about all of the changes that they've undergone. Because, my goodness, this is the first time in a, can you remember when the last time was that Golden State went through this much change?
1: When they traded Manta and, and everything else that happened before that. Like that's, that's yeah. the last time they really underwent change, like when they were starting to move guys around.
0: Right. And that was all, as I believe, that was all like – they did that on purpose, like deliberately. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like this year. It was like stuff happened to them and they had to deal. Yeah. No, which was a big. Nature um, fought backs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which was a big surprise. So we're going to play an interview that I did with Daniel Hardy from golden state of mind. Uh, It's about 10 minutes long. And he talks about some of those changes that they have undergone. What's different about this year, why it feels different. Interesting thing, you know, noting, About, you know, D'Angelo Russell, like, how does he think that's going to work? Talking about the difference between when Kevin Durant left versus Andre Iguodala leaving, how that kind of feels, you know, from a fan's point of view. And also talks about how this might be the most um, uh, legacy-defining year possibly for Steph, So I'll go ahead and play that and we'll learn a little bit about kind of what's going on in the minds of Golden State Warrior fans with Daniel Hardy. Okay, next we're going to talk to Daniel. So go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us who you write for.
2: Uh, my name is Daniel Hardy. I write for Golden State of Mine, SB Nation's uh, number one source for your Warriors news um, here in hot Las Vegas. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: We are so uh, glad to have you. And we're just talking to people from other fan bases to find out what were the highlights of your off season. And you guys are people kind of know what's been going on <laughs> with Golden State. But National I'd love news. to yeah, hear just your summary of the off season for Golden State and where they're headed
2: um well uh the big news is uh we traded Damian jones away. No, okay uh, kevin durant is no longer uh in the golden blue um crazy crazy because when he went down with the achilles injury it was kind of like it's the last time we'll ever see him and it was uh so what a way to go you know kind of falling you know on your shield uh so we really definitely appreciate it but nice going to brooklyn and um in the mayhem afterwards, we picked up D'Angelo Russell from the Brooklyn Nets, a uh, young guard who uh, was an All-Star last year. Um, but there are some questions about uh, his defense there and how his offensive game will fit with the Warriors. Uh, I'm an optimist, eternal. I mean, we're called Golden State of Mind, so I, t- I tend to be in the bright side of things. Um, so hopefully he can fit in. Now, in fact, I just had a, a conversation with some of the guys uh, here in uh, SP Nation who were talking about D'Angelo as a trade chip. Uh, so basically, when Clay comes back, they're thinking he might get an out. Um, best case scenario, he comes in, fits in like, like a glove, and uh, helps get another championship, at least uh, contender status again. Um, and then after that, we've made some moves like getting rid of Andre Iguodala, the Warriors legend, like the guy who was here for every one of our finals trips. And um, it might sound crazy to say this, um, uh, but I feel like that one had more of an emotional impact on the fan base for Dub Nation. Uh, just because uh, Kevin Durant was you know, super awesome, but Andre was here from the beginning. Like he helped us get it out of the mud to where it is today. And so to kind of see him become a salary cap casualty as a result of Kevin Durant's uh, decision to leave, that I was pretty emotionally um, difficult to deal with. Um, but hey, we're retiring both through jerseys, so they'll hang in the, the Chase Center forever. Um, and of course, as a as a franchise, we're leaving Oakland to San Francisco. Um so I'm sure as a Damian Lillard supporter, that's uh, something you may have heard of. But um yeah, we made a couple other moves as well, like um uh, Alec Burke we got today. Uh we traded Damian Jones um for youngster spellman. Um, we let go of Boogie Cousins, uh, we uh re-signed Looney. So I mean I feel like everything's working out as best as considered, but it's tough
0: losing Kevin Durant. Yeah, given all those different transactions, yes. which ones do you think have the most basketball impact would you guess i mean
2: signing willie collie stein really helped because we saw in the uh the finals when we were going against those big boys like gasol and ibaka they are just like pounding us in the middle it was like we could use a, a stout youngster who can actually jump and like you know love Looney, you know love cousins not the biggest leapers you know so having collie stein there helps um but obviously i think that the biggest thing is d'angelo russell as a playmaker
0: you mentioned that uh Kevin Durant's jersey is going to be retired. I think that's really odd for somebody who was there for a couple of years. Does that strike you as odd? <gasps> I mean,
2: yes, it did struck me as odd, but I think in terms of a player of his stature joining us was pretty huge. And then he was a two-time Finals MVP, and his last time ever on the court was him sacrificing his Achilles for you know, behalf of the franchise. I think... Um, As far as a public relations move, our owner's very shrewd, you know, with the Warriors. And I think he's trying to show other free agents that, hey, if you come here and win championships, no matter how short the time, we'll give you some love.
0: Okay, you can have a statue, I guess. <laughs> you know, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was really interesting. So, obviously, the way the uh, season ended for Golden State and, like, I would never want anything to ever end like that. That was just – that was such a bummer. Right. Um, But, like, at that point – were fans in pretty much in shock and like, what were they anticipating might happen in this offseason? And did it kind of go the way that you thought it would?
2: Oh, man. Okay. So the series before we saw Dame Lillard you know, get, get the ribs issue, right? And Nurkic wasn't playing. And so I remember Portland fans being like, what if my save our full squad, you know, fully healthy? As a Warriors fan, you're like, well, I mean, either way, I feel confident, right? So then it happens to us, you know. Katie goes down, Clay goes down, and the Raptors fans are like, yeah, you know, even if you were healthy, we probably won. You're like, Shh. you know, you're kind of stuck in that that n- no man's land where you're just like, okay, there's no excuses, but I will have seen the the full squad. So you know, with the information that Katie was going to be gone for a year anyway, and Clay with his knee injury, thank God we resigned him, but he will be gone for like nine months probably. So next year's kind of a wash, so, so to speak, as far as, you know, for the Warriors, because it isn't the dynasty we were used to. Um, but at the same time, if you have Steph, Clay, and Dre, there's always a puncher's chance. So I think fans were kind of saying like, okay, maybe next year we won't go to the finals. But at the same time, if those two are good, who can put around them? So it's like D'Angelo Russell? Huh? Okay, random but all right we'll say we'll take it you know we'll sign okay so this may be the first time maybe the last five years that warriors fans really don't know what's going to happen but hopefully good
0: so i talk about feelings than maybe most nba podcasts (laughs) (laughs) so uh, yeah like how are you what are you feeling going into this next season compared to other seasons i feel
2: like everyone's celebrating the death of the dynasty and i think that provide some um some motivation for the team but as a fan it'd be great to show that we're no longer you know um what we were maybe 10 years ago when it was you know monte ellis years when i was like you know the Warriors aren't going to you know participate in anything big i feel like people are kind of downgrading us to that level almost because we don't have you know the kd so i would love for the Warriors to come back and just give them one good shot <laughs>
0: Yeah it's almost as if it's the first time in a long time where you just don't know what's going to happen you know cuz right. sitting on the other side of it it was like for the last few years it's like just like you know given that the western conference you know finalist is going to be the Golden State Warriors right. and we'll see who comes in second it must right. must be uh must be different and I know you were talking about you know golden state of mind is kind of the bright side <laughs> you know maybe you get to flex some different muscles this year you right. know with your just even with your writing and trying to anticipate what's going to happen
2: right no totally um I'm looking forward to it um like basically my favorite thing about writing about this when we were like the dynasty was kind of like that lord of the Rings style like magical like th- we're, we're, we're looking at history as it's happening and it was so cool and now it's like hey like is 44 wins enough to make the playoffs with the way the west is looking like every game is going to matter and we're going to have clay for a while this may be um the most legacy defining year for Steph Curry in terms of we know he's great but now that he's like f- severely limited with his options if he busts out another mvp level season It'll be undeniable sorry undeniable that this guys are you know all time great, even though we know that already. Um, but in terms of that, like kind of the chip on your shoulder when people are saying, Oh, if not for K D, you guys went one anything, you know, and you're like, Well, we did win seventy three wins on the championship beforehand. So you, you wanna see Steph and Dres go out there and do something spectacular, but at the same time, like <sighs> it's just different.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it will be different. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and talking about that. That was uh, super interesting. I love getting other people's point of view and other fan bases' uh, point of view, and yours. Your fan base has been one that I'm a little scared of over the last few years. <laughs> well, just because they're, you know, it's there's so many years of accumulated excellence and, you know, the, the blazers, you know, we kind of toil away here and, you know, at the edge of the earth, Oh, <laughs> you know, Western so, conference finalists, well, but, no, but just like, you know, we're like physically located so oh. far away <laughs> and, you know, people forget about the blazers sometime. And, but, you know, well, one thing we have in common is Damian Lillard, yes. Uh, yes. you know, and, uh, we're Wait, just, quick
2: question for you, actually. Yeah, absolutely. How satisfying was it for you to watch Damian Miller wave Paul George oh, the court?
0: Oh, I'm just closing my eyes and re- reliving it right now. <laughs> it was, for Damian, it was so meaningful because of the whole narrative about the the previous year and losing mm-hmm. in the first round. Yes. So getting out of the first round was such a relief having heard, you know, the attitude of the players going into that particular playoff Mm -hmm. run was just like, we are going to buckle down and it's just about us. It's not, we're not listening to any of the outside noise. We're not engaging in anything, you know, all the antics that were coming from, you know, the other team we are not a part of. And so it was just so satisfying to see it happen that way. Yeah. And that shot was just, it was so perfect. It was like, it it was so high and arcing, and from so far away, I had time to like go make a sandwich and come back. By the time it actually went down, right? So, right. Yeah. So the wave was just like you know the cupcake for dessert, I guess. Well, you know,
2: according to Paul George was a bad shot.
0: Yeah, it was a bad shot. There's a lot of bad shot t-shirts in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> Will you tell folks how they can find you on Twitter and find your work?
2: Yes, uh, you can find me at d hardy underscore sbn on Twitter, and that's uh. Hardy with two E's, no Y. Um, and also, we're on Going Through the Mind. Um, yeah, I'm writing there pretty much every day. So if you want something funny and worth lit, check me out.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me, Daniel. All right, thanks for having me. Okay, so uh, Daniel, one of the things that I thought was really interesting about what he said is that he talked about how this year they're going to find out what it's like to truly be shorthanded. Um, and I thought it reminded me of some conversations that you and I have had about, um, uh, you know, like what's it going to be like when uh, they other teams play Steph the same way that they've always played Damian Lillard?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be the fun part uh, when I was talking about, you know, how teams kind of looked. Uh, as this year was shaping up, um, I, I had some people out there that were upset that I, you know, nationally that I talked to that I, I picked Portland over golden state. And they're like, Steph and Draymond are a better duo than uh, Damon CJ. And I'm like, well, in, in the aggregate, yeah, they make more sense, right? They're, 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 they're better players um, in, in their respective positions. But when you're talking about uh, Draymond Green has gone from your fifth offensive option to your second or third, like that's, that's 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 a really bad spot to be in, um, and when that's the case, and teams just don't care at all if Draymond steps into a three that he gets the heartless amino treatment mm-hmm. as the third guy, yeah, how teams are gonna shift to Steph <laughs> and you know throw two at him without worrying about the ball being swung to Clay Thompson or being you know re-kicked to Kevin Durant or something stupid along those lines. Now you, you're you're dealing with a situation that like we've seen in Portland for years, where that secondary or tertiary guy is responsible for uh, not only scoring but also you know working as the playmaker, and you, you can see what it does to Damon CJ in the long run, right? It wears them down.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think one interesting thing about you know with Steph and Clay as well as Damon CJ is one of the reasons that they're so sufe- so effective as duos. Is because they played together so long. I mean, so much of their success, I think, is, you know, based on the fact that they've, they don't even have to think about it anymore, right? They can, Mm -hmm. that's like, of all of the hundreds of decisions that you as a basketball player have to make a minute, you know, there's a whole section that you don't have to think about anymore because your running mate has been playing with you for so long, you know exactly what you're going to do and you're of one mind. And... Steph's going to have to find out who the other half of his mind is. Uh, and he's going to probably have to spend a little bit of time trying to figure that out. And maybe it's D'Angelo Russell. I don't know. Listen,
1: I, I think D'Lo going to be nice there. I think he- D'Lo is a good player. I kind of mentioned to you that somebody on Twitter that's rather well known uh, called D'Angelo Russell, the best combo guard in the league uh, today. And I just had to kind of laugh about it, like James Harden and Damian Lillard and Steph Curry and all the other guys who can play on and off ball or, you know, the most premier players in the game today don't exist. But that doesn't mean Delos by any means trash. I think he's going to be a really good player. And I think it's going to be a uh, again. We're talking about interesting, uh, how interesting this is going to look as um, it's not Klay Thompson. It's not Kevin Durant. Like is a good player, but he's a, a different vastly different kind of player than, than those two guys.
0: Right. Well, usually they're like their learning curve you know, is right around the basket every year. It's whoever's coming in as the new center, right? Like that's where their kind of weakness usually is, but there's going to be parts all over their up and down their roster that I'm not going to say are weak because none of these players are weak, but those connections haven't been strengthened yet, you know? So like they haven't been shored up and they don't know what their potential is yet. So it's going to be interesting to watch how that happens. For that's, sure.
1: that's 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 going to be, like, I, I know people probably say this every year with changes and such, but this is probably the most interesting season I think I've had as far as, like, like interest in the season as far as, like, questions that need to be answered
0: mm-hmm.
1: and since I've covered a team. Mm-hmm. So that's, what, like, almost the last, what, eight years?
0: Well, and it's not – the thing is, it's, like, with the Blazers, that's true, as well as with it's the, the league. entire yeah. league. <laughs> so, we, I mean – what I like about basketball right now is just how much there is to learn about it. And now that we've had just this, like so many roster changes and things upended on top of like the playing style has been changing over the last few years. And now we have all these new people playing together. There's just, there's just going to be so much to look at. And like earlier before we hopped on, you are asking me like what I thought would be a reasonable expectation for I think like numbers. For, I think it was for Zach Collins and I was like, I'm not even close to being able to answer that there until I understand like how they're going to play together. So like I'm not even ready for another, you know, till late September till we had training camp to even hazard a guess as to like what kind of numbers people are going to be putting up. I, I had to. <laughs> well you always do you yeah know no. that i'm cautious about those kinds of yeah things. no and,
1: and for me when i when i wrote that article it was a lot about like what what are the baselines what are what are what are my expectations this is not terry Stotts new old shade but just by gathering what i've seen in the past and, and talking to people around the team like what are the expectations for guys like what does that look like and it's it's interesting to see um what fans' expectations or beliefs for a player are versus what uh, I've come up with, right? And it, it, it's, it's fun especially to revisit that uh, a year later to what see kind of how things played out.
0: What do you think is a reasonable expectation for um, a guy like uh, Zach Collins for <laughs> the season? So,
1: for a, a lot of people, think that I, you know, I'm, I'm hard on Zach. I've kind of narrowed down what I, I think of him as a player, as far as his trajectory goes. And the, the more I watch him, the more I'm like, yeah, no, that, that that sounds about right. And it's not to lock him into a particular type or or a or, 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 or play type. It's just who he reminds me of, and as far as his game and effectiveness, and it's Serge Ibaka. And if you look age wise, they came in. The I don't league. have any problem with that. But here's the thing: is uh, Sergi is a, a good player,
0: right? Yeah.
1: Um, defensive, stalwart. But you're not. You, he's not a guy you're you're running the offense through. He's opportunistic. You're not like him No, I'm like cringing every time he takes a jumper. But you're kind of like, hey, if you're gonna be, you know, have the ball in your hands offensively, how much we get you to create for somebody or finish at the rim? Like it. No go yeah, ahead. Sorry.
0: I was say, he's the guy you want on your team, though. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I and I think where, where people have, when they, they've been frustrated with what my my views are on Zach is because I don't think he's going to be a, a star. That I don't think he's good. And the, the more I look at him, I'm like, yeah, he's, he's he kind of reminds me of Serge Ibaka. And this is a long way to get around to. I think Zach averaging like eight and eight is probably about where he'll be. If you look at what Ibaka was uh, in his year three, it was nine and seven. But also, I think it was it like. It was two and a half blocks. It was something. It was something ridiculous um, because he was uh, obviously e block was a thing.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I think um, we're gonna be talking a lot about Collins this year, and I think uh, be- you know we're gonna see him a lot. He's gonna have a different expanded role, and um, I'm anxious, you know, to see what the Blazers saw in him. Because, um, you know, they obviously saw a lot in him to trade up. This is and, kind of a proving year too,
1: right? Like it, when, when you take a look at, at how teams view lottery prospects or especially if you're moving up to grab a guy, year three is kind of the year.
0: Yeah. And I feel like – I mean I, I feel like he's going to uh, walk into that and um, have a really good show of it um, because I think all – I think a lot of the stuff that, you know, were – Somewhat harder for him last year. He was either improving on them. By the end of the year, or it's something that like, okay, we're not going to worry about that this year. We're going to worry about that next year. And so, like, maybe that's something we can lean leave off on and talk about next week. Because next week, I'm going to talk about the fact that I also went and watched all his turnovers. <laughs> 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 so I have I have some thoughts, but they're not un, they're not like distressing. Actually, they were like, oh, okay, I can mm-hmm. I can I can see this. I can see um, things going a lot better in year three in that department, but. If you're okay with it, let's go ahead and wrap it up yeah, here. Yeah, no, we're um, um, let's see. So, do you have anything? You've got uh, you got a guest coming up this week on The Outsiders, correct?
1: Yes, we do. Uh, for anybody who's interested, we will have Young Anthony Simons on the show on Thursday night. Um, if you've got questions, comments, concerns, whatever, um, hit me up on Twitter. DM me, ask me directly, at DMaring. Um, If I grab one from you, I'll make sure you, you, you know, we get you up on air. Um, but yeah, this is going to be really cool. This is the first time we've had an active player on the show. We've had, obviously, Terry and uh, Lamar and Brooke, but this is the first time we're, we're going to have an active guy on the show. Um, and, I, and I'm really stoked it's Anthony because uh, this is stuff I definitely want to talk to him about, and I'm, I'm kind of excited for him to see you know uh, how this next season looks, especially with the release of his, uh, his new logo.
0: Right. Yeah. He has a super cute new shirt. Or, I mean, cool. Sorry. Hey, no, that works i thought it was cute but maybe that's not you know that's not cool to say um but my biggest concern when you guys have him on is making sure that his microphone is turned up because i believe he's a very very soft-spoken he, man he is,
1: he's gotten better <laughs> he has gotten better so i i, I know I've, I've talked to uh folks who said who have talked to him recently and he's he's getting better in that respect that's just something i think just comes with time
0: right i'm anxious to see uh as he is in the media, more, you know, how he steps into it. Cause I remember like when Gary Trent Jr. came on, he was just so polished and so good answering questions just right out of the gate. And, uh, Anthony's a little bit, not quite there yet. So I'm, I'm interested to see this year. He's going to grow in that a lot, I bet too, cause he's going to have a lot more microphones in his face probably.
1: Yeah. I would, I would imagine that, uh, Ant finds, uh, Finds the, the other end of a microphone pretty often next season. Yeah.
0: Well, you guys break them in gently. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, let's I, see. I
1: love for the young man.
0: Yeah. Um. You know, I'm, as for me, just I got the regular um, weekly What Podcasts coming up. Uh, I had one come out last week where I talked to a woman that I met at Summer League who has a really cool nonprofit with teenagers learning how to use like, NBA software. Um, and about her experience with those kids. It was super cool. So uh, if you subscribe to Blazers Edge podcast, you'll also get the Women's Hoops and Tops Talks episodes. So this nice. is a good time to remind people to go ahead and subscribe to the Blazers Edge podcast. Follow Blazers Edge on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at TCB Biggs. You can get the Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks. And Dan, why don't you go ahead and take us out of here? <sighs>
1: All right, folks, as I said, uh, you can find us or find me, I should say, on Blazers Outsiders on Thursday nights in the offseason and then every game night going forward. Joe, Shane, and I will be there for you at 630 on NBC Sports Northwest. And, again, we will have Anthony Simons on Thursday. So, if you, again, if you have questions, get them our way. Otherwise, you can find me on social media at DMarang, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G. And until next week, for Tara, me, thanks. Bye.